Good morning, Shira. Okay. So today we're going to talk about attachment theory. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a really interesting conversation for people that have never really heard about attachment before, how it just shows up in our life over and over again. And like to actually know that it's like a thing, it's mm-hmm. like a real thing. It's been studied, it's been researched. People talk about it and realize that, you know, you're not alone, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Many people, you know, act and feel the same way. When I learned um, about attachment theory for the first time, it was so eye-opening for yeah, me. Same. Like I felt like it was this like new revelation that was going to like change my life forever. Yeah. Um, and I hope that we can give that for others as well who haven't either learned about it or for those who maybe know about it but want to understand it in a deeper way or more applications of how it shows up in their lives each day. Yeah, that's great. So let's jump right in and start with just kind of like what is attachment theory and the definitions of it and how it impacts us. So with attachment theory, there is um, different attachment styles. And these are based on the attachment between the caregiver or the parent and the child when they were younger. And so the first one is secure attachment, which is I think majority of people are securely attached, where that's where your parent is generally there enough for you. They respond well to you. They give you your needs. They're available as you need them to be. And therefore, the child learns to really trust the parent and therefore that they are reliable. Um, and so the child then goes throughout life saying, no matter what, my parent will be there for me and they don't have to be anxious about that. They don't have to be worried about that. They are securely linked. They're able to then be alone. They're able to then trust that when someone isn't with them, eventually they will come back or that they will be taken care of. And so they go through life with a certain security or calmness. Yeah. So secure one is, as you said, is you know a lot of people have it. And I think that we all are also on a spectrum of where we all kind of go through the attachment. So we might be secure sometimes and then sometimes not. So there's also anxious attachment where people – so anxious attachment comes from maybe the unpredictability of the parent, of not knowing will they be there, will they not be there, or a parent being like very, very overprotective as well mm-hmm. can lead to a child feeling more anxious. Um, if a mother is always kind of like – over the, you know, on top of the child, always checking the child falls and they run after the child. And this is going to be a child that when they fall, they're always going to need their parent. And then that's going to later on relationships, they're always going to need their partner. They're always going to need their friend. And if they're not there, they're going to be looking behind the shoulders or texting or calling them tons of times. Like, where are you? Why are you not here? Because that's how they they learned that that was love, that was caring, and that was their attachment with their caregiver. Mm -hmm. I think the thing about anxious is that it doesn't mean that they are feeling anxiety. I think it's just the label of what it's called. And so I want to differentiate that because it's not like if you had an anxious attachment, that means that your parents were anxious or you were anxious. What it really means is that it wasn't predictable. Sometimes you felt extremely loved and sometimes you felt like I can trust that my parent will come back. Other times you felt confused. You weren't sure where your parent was holding or they weren't as reliable. And so therefore there wasn't like a real pattern and it was just too overwhelming for the child. And therefore what happens is is that they, they always can't regulate themselves because they're not sure, will you come back? Will you not come back? Will you be there for me? Will you not be there for me? It's almost like it's easier in a black and white world. Like if it's secure, I trust. If it's, you know, avoidant, which we're going to talk about later, you know, you can't trust. But if it's anxious, it's also like, well, maybe this time you will. Right. Maybe this time will be better. Maybe this time it'll be worse. So it's almost like you can never be settled because you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, You know, with with anxious attachment. um, So as an adult, I think like a lot of people have that as well. Even though a majority of people are securely attached, anxious is something that does come up um, in terms of the reliability. And you see this um, with like romantic partners or with with um, 
boyfriend, girlfriends, um, we are a lot of times like if they don't get called back the first second, they might start panicking of, right. oh, no, what happened to them? Did they die? Did right. they get into a car accident? Like, did something like crazy happen to them? Because in their life, they assume that if something isn't predictable, it must be something worrisome. Right. Or even related back to them. Like, oh, did they leave me? Do they yes. not like me? Do they not want me? They looked away. Are they not interested in me? Are mm-hmm. they bored of me? Right. Like, what did I do wrong? Am I rejected now? Like, instead of the secure child would respond to that and saying, like, oh, they're probably busy. Maybe they're in the bathroom. Maybe they're in a meeting. Um, You know, maybe right now they trust that they're not able to respond to them. And it's within the normal reasonings, whereas somebody with anxious attachment automatically assumes that there's a problem either with the person or a problem with them. Um, And that that leads to dysregulation very quickly. Yeah. And so the anxious, anxiously attached person is always, always feeling unease. They're always worried or they're always thinking like something else is going on because there is no stable predictability. Right. Yeah. And I think with avoidant, it's kind of like the opposite of anxious, yes. right? So they are very much like, I don't need attachments mm-hmm. and I'm fine on my own and I don't want attachments. So if somebody is, you know, starting to seem too clingy to them, they'll really back off. Mm-hmm. They're also very afraid of of being hurt. So they'll yeah. stay away in fear of being hurt. So they're the kind of person that is not really answering your text or not really engaging in conversation, mm-hmm. especially if it starts doing with feelings. You might yes. start seeing a blank drawn, you know, face of like, don't talk to me. And that was the kind of person that might have always been left on their own as a child or kind of taught to be on their own and be strong on their own. And we don't need other people or mm-hmm. just didn't really have anyone taking care of them also. And that led the personality to being the attachment style to being more avoidant. Um, I like to see it as like kind of avoidant on one end, secure in the middle and anxious on the other end. And we kind of all kind of flow through this spectrum and people can feel like, wait, I always thought I had secure attachment, but like how come in this relationship I get very avoidant or how come? And I think that you could be partially secure and then we all have tendencies for when we're triggered or when we're feeling hurt. That we all act either more anxious or more avoidant. And you can ask yourself, like, which one am I when, you know, I was just broken Mm -hmm. up with or when I got really scared that someone was upset at me? Mm -hmm. Do I shut down? Am I like, you know, you're the one that was wrong and I don't want to talk about this right now? Or do I get overly, you know, clingy and texting the other person? And that's kind of signs for you of like, which attachment do you fall to? That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're not also secure. Right. I think like we all have our primary attachment style, Yeah. Um, you know, at least like now as adults, like as kids, you can have one style. Then as a teenager, you can have another style. So you can grow up, let's say, as a child with secure attachment. But then something happens in your teenage years that challenges your attachment style that then turns it around for you. And therefore, right. in your adulthood, it's going to follow suit. So a little bit more into avoidant. Yeah. So, you know, the thing about avoidant is that that's a child when their parents, when they were young, their parents were completely unpredictable. And so therefore, like they said, like, it's just too hurtful for me to rely on anybody. I'm better off myself. And so these are, let's say, parents who are preoccupied with other things going on in their lives, or it could just be like at that time period, like they have a crisis going on in their lives and they're not available for that child. And therefore the child learns like, why should I rely on somebody if they are just going to hurt me and not be there for me? I feel better off when I don't need anybody and I'm on my own. Yeah. You hear a lot of examples of like, you know, the mother came back from the hospital and then, you know, had to stay in the hospital longer or Mm -hmm. had a, a, you know, complication afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, it was nothing malicious. It was nothing intent. The mother just wasn't available and wasn't around for the baby. And that's like, you know, the strongest attachment. Right. And and so it, it can be something that's unintentional or sometimes it can be something that is intentional. Um, it goes on both on both ends. Right. Um, but what the child ultimately learns inside is nobody's reliable. Nobody is going to be there for me and I will never, ever trust anybody enough. Right. And so you see these people, they're always a little bit more distant, a little bit more cold. They kind of feel like they can't rely on anybody. They, they, were never, they will never be needy. 
ever. Um, they only need themselves and they rely on people as least as possible. And so like these, I find like are really hard um, clients in therapy because you're teaching them how to trust, but they don't trust you. Right. And so they're pulling back even before they're trying to get close. They yeah. won't, They don't want anything that gets too close. Like if you say something that's, let's say, too personal, like let's say I will um, validate too much or show empathy too much, that will scare them off. Right. I have to use what I, I, I call the difference between recognition versus empathy. Recognition is like, I acknowledge that you're going through this. That's a little bit more different than empathetic because right. then I'm like, I feel what you're so going much. through. It's too scary for it's them. It's too much for them. And so with those types of clients, I have to take a step back a bit and I say, I recognize what you're going through right. because I know they're not ready for anything more because that's going to scare them away because they, because based on their attachment, they can't handle it. If it gets too close, we're done. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about attachment theory is that people sometimes like want to use it as like a therapy in itself. Um, and I, the way I use attachment theory is more of like a framework. Like right. it's a it's a way of thinking about it rather than a way of practicing. And really the only way to heal through attachment theory is to redo the attachment. And so when yeah. you go to therapy, that's a long time in therapy. We're talking at least a year where you have to undo all the work that you were that you were brought up with and so therefore you're earning a new secure attachment with your therapist and that's not based on talking about um, right. attachment theory that's based on feeling attachment right. theory it's about showing up and having consistency and having safe boundaries which is like interesting i didn't think we we're going to talk about that but it goes back to why the therapies have so much rules mm -hmm. because it's it's making that attachment safe yeah Exactly. It's like redoing it so that way you can have that secure attachment, especially for somebody who has anxious or ambivalent, um, anxious or avoidant um, attachments. Like they need that even more so right. because they need to know that they can trust. Exactly. You know, there is one more style that I don't think we should touch upon for too long, um, but that is like it came out later with disorganized attachment. Yeah. That's generally like those who have more severe mental illness where it was so completely all over the place, their childhood. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, these are children who have really high ACEs scores, who maybe were in foster care, who were sent from home to home. And therefore, like they do end up more so in hospitals or in institutions later on in their life. Um, and so like I don't think we we're going to go so much into that, but I think it's important to just yeah, note to that. Um, so I think it would be interesting, like now that we kind of like gave the theory behind it, to maybe give like some examples for people so they could relate and be like, oh, that's me. Like mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that might be that attachment. And also a little bit like why is it important to know that? I think it's not just about like labeling things and saying like, oh, look what your parents did wrong. But it's just about understanding so that way you can – you have to know where you are in order to move closer to secure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so let's give a couple of examples and maybe say like, oh, that's like anxious. Like, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. So one of the examples that I see a lot is when avoidance and anxious are so attracted to each other. Right. Yes, they that's... always, for some reason, I think the anxious like thinks that the avoidant is stable because they're like so numb and so distant. They assume that that is stability. And so right. they are always chasing them. And therefore, the avoidant likes the anxious because there's like this desire towards I'm going to feel something finally. Right. Right. And so they end up together and then it's a complete disaster. You see that a lot. Yeah. You see when you have two people avoidant that that also like kind of like works out because they both like do their own thing mm -hmm. and like they both stay so distant to each other that they don't really get into so much conflict right like it's always like separate yeah yeah and then i think like you know with with anxious attachment what that looks like in teenage years is um sometimes where teens are scared to leave their home they're scared to go out with friends because they always have to be attached to their primary right. caregiver people don't um, want to go to sleepaway camp 
they don't want to go to sleepaway camp. They're scared. What's going to happen if I go away from the family? It's almost like they're preoccupied with gaining stability from their home. So it's like they, in order to go out with friends, they first have to make sure the home is okay. Right. And they first have to always be checking in with their home of what's going on. Is everything okay? Um, if they're in sleepaway camp, they're going to be on the phone all day or texting them all day. So there's always like they need to link back. It's almost like their mind is preoccupied with right. making sure that their primary giver, caregiver is okay. Because if they're okay, they're, they know that they themselves will be okay. Right. Um, and so like it does take up a lot of time. It's not just like go out and trust that everything is fine. Like they might be a little bit more scared to travel. They might right. be a little bit more scared to take leaps in new friendships. Like they're always focused on gaining safety. Um, they also can't handle rejection well. I think they're more f- scared of rejection. Yeah. Oh, aren't we all? But I'm saying they, you know, the, the, the possibility of rejection is really scary. And they assume it's always going to happen. You know, I think majority of people like are scared of rejection happening, right? Because rejection doesn't feel good no matter what. Right. But like we don't assume that every second it's going to happen. Right. Whereas I think those that are anxiously attached are always just like expecting it to be a rejection. Like they call somebody and they're just like, oh, they must not like me. Or they right. go for an interview and they're like, oh, that didn't go well. They're for sure going to not think I was good. Or right. it's almost like assuming that nothing is going to work out for you because you just are so used to that unpredictability. Yeah. You know, sometimes, like, I wonder what it feels like also to, like, a person who's married to somebody with an anxious attachment style. Oh, well, it depends on that person's attachment style. But let's say that person has a secure attachment. I think that it's really – it could be very draining mm-hmm. to constantly be reassuring the person that you're not going anywhere and constantly be telling, you know, having to to follow up with them or answer their many phone calls throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they can be tiresome. Yeah. Like, it's it's draining. Yeah. Someone who's anxious and wants to start moving a little bit closer to secure. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to think what would be some things that we can tell them to do. I think, you know, there's three things like similar to what we were mentioning earlier. So either you can work it through with a therapist. Um, That's probably the best option. The second option is to work through it yourself in terms of like understanding what's going on. And if you are more anxious, like then each time letting go of all those negative thoughts that are telling you you're going to be rejected or this person is going to be unpredictable when you find the urge to like text back too soon hold back a drop. Um, So there's that self-work, but then I think there's also the work of it needs to be replaced by another secure relationship. So the more that you are secure, the more that you'll learn what it's like to be in that style of relationship. Oftentimes though, like based on our attachment style, that's what we're attracted to. So secure are usually attached to secure, anxious to um, avoidant, um, disorganized, they can't even really be in a relationship. Um, And so like, I find that like, as people become healthier in therapy, their choices of friends or their choices of partners become healthier because they don't have any patience for the other styles right. anymore. And that's important to know, you know, for someone who wants to move towards secure, if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. um, who also has an unhealthy attachment style, it's going to be harder to move that way because you're going to constantly be in that dance of unhealthiness. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the more you kind of have self-aware and start working on on feeling healthier, the more you're going to start moving towards those kind of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like I I remember speaking to somebody um, who was in a new marriage and she came from a really secure background and didn't know much about her husband's attachment style at that point, um, but found him afterwards to be an anxiously attached um, pattern. And she said, like, I knew right away this is not for me like right in the beginning of the relationship, like this is just not going to work. Like I'm not going to, I can't put up with this. Like it's just too hard Um, because she's like, because I had such a strong backing, like I knew what a healthy relationship was. Um, But then 
right away, like because the dating was quick and because the engagement was quick, like there wasn't so much time to really see the attachment style. Um, Also, like I think anxious attachments sometimes can look like extra love Hmm. um, where it's like because because they are so insecure, they will put more effort into the relationship of like calling you a bunch of times and I love you's and lots of presents and like very, very um, focused. Um, But in reality, what that what that is coming from, it's it's not coming from a secure place. It's coming from an anxious place and it can be very stifling um, and it can break boundaries later on in the relationship and so it is common for people to um get blinded by that right. or to not recognize like what that is like um they can you know m- misconstrue it and see it as love rather than um unhealthy attachment and so therefore she was like oh my goodness like once i was aware of this like this is not for me like right. this is something that really needs to work through because i'm used to the secure style right. and i knew right away whereas somebody let's say who's in a relationship and they figure out that one is anxious and one is avoidant it might not be like that where they right away say like i right. need to run away from this like it might still feel very comfortable for them with her it felt so uncomfortable at the beginning um so that's also something to like be in tune with like with yourself and trusting yourself of what's going on here and noticing it yeah so um before you talked a little bit, you mentioned about how like attachments change when like different life circumstances can happen. Yes. I think it's really interesting about how people change. Like once let's say they fall in love and they're in a relationship, Mm -hmm. how suddenly this is the kind of person that they, you know, they never cared about anybody. They were only into themselves. And suddenly, you you know, you have your brother that you never expected calling his call (laughs) on the phone for late hours. Yes. And everyone is like making fun, like, oh, and did you get so gushy or what's Mm -hmm. that word? Mushy or whatever it is, you know? Or you see new moms, people who were just like, so not the type to be a mother are like so professional and so like career oriented and suddenly they're just like so worried and just anxious about the next feeding and the next bath time and you know it's 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 very cute to see how like a real relationship can really change someone at their core yeah and that's exactly what it does it really does change them at their core i'm thinking back to um um in my grade there was um we had like a senior kala. Um, That's funny. Well, tr- truthfully, it wasn't really a senior kala because it happened like around 11th grade, like the <laughs> end. So it was like early and, you know, in the Syrian world. That's like common. And um, and so I remember in 12th grade when she had a baby, we went, we all went over because she lived near school. And so we all went over to visit her. And I remember like her sitting there. She was probably like 17, 18 years old, very, very young. And every second, like the baby made a sound, like she would run over to the baby and be like, is he breathing? Is he okay? Is he fine? Um, And it was like such an interesting thing of like, we were little kids. We didn't know how to like take care of like babies at that point. But it was almost like she was so nervous. And part of that could just be like she was young. And what's it like to like raise a child when you're a child yourself? Um, But it was almost like, you know, if if I would like take that from the lens of like attachment, like that could look the same way. I'm not diagnosing that as anxious attachment. Um, but at the same time, like that could be a certain like anxiety or like rather secure a security of saying like, oh, the baby's fine. Like, okay, the baby's like, I don't know, they're making some noises, right. like they're hiccuping, like, you know, they're 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 cooing or whatever it is. Yeah, it's so interesting that you're saying that because it's reminding me now of sometimes when you work with people who have really had traumatic childhood homes and they want to be different and they worked on themselves and they want to be healthier, you see that a lot of times they may act more uh, um, anxious attached to their child because they they so badly want to be there for their yeah. child. And some of my work sometimes with new moms um, is a little bit about like, oh, if you're in the shower, I remember telling this to a client once, if you're in the shower and you hear your baby cry, you know you can finish your shower. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's, that's new information. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't have to run out and run to my baby. I'm not going to be right. a bad mom. And it's like, no, 
it's actually good for your child to be able to cry for a couple of right. minutes. Like that's part of secure, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're running, then you're going to kind of foster this um, anxious attachment style. Right. And like the child can cry for a few minutes while you're finishing your needs. Right. You show them that they can handle discomfort a little bit and they're still fine. Exactly. You know, it's, it's interesting because like we are, I'm noticing that we're talking a lot more about anxious than any of the other styles. Right. And I'm kind of wondering as therapists, if maybe like the anxious attachment style is what we see more in our offices. Don't come to therapy. Avoidance are not going to go to therapy and couples therapy also, right? You usually have the anxious one who's bringing, bringing the, the couple into therapy and they're bringing the avoidant one usually schlepping them because right. they don't want to be there. Um, but it's I think true, like that's very point. interesting. Like if you are married to somebody who is avoidant or if you have a, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's avoidant, they're probably going to work on their relationship less because they need it less. And it's usually the anxious one that's dragging it in. Yeah, um, and with secure, point. secure people are generally not coming to therapy. I mean, sometimes they are coming to therapy, but not in this like attachment lens. Right. Not from an way. attachment lens. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of like wonder like why we're focusing so much on right, the anxious. Like maybe that is why, like maybe it's in our point. careers, we're just surrounded more by that. We're seeing more of that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, and, and so do you think that avoidance style attachment is predominantly male and anxious is predominantly female? I mean, that is like the gender stereotypical roles that we've definitely been told over and over again, right? You have like the hysterical woman and you have the like closed, strong man. Um, I think that it's probably not necessarily the case, mm -hmm. but like it's probably more acceptable when it is the case, right? And it, we see a man and he's cold and he's strong and he's indifferent and like that's like honored. And then we see a woman and it's like, oh, a typical over hysterical woman. But I'm sure there are many times where it's flipped. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, it's it's funny because the image that I have of like an anxiously attached woman is just like a woman who's always like chasing her husband right. and the husband. Or like trying to clean up her house, a flood, like yeah. life events that put her in that situation. Or like always like helicoptering over her kids. Right. Like everything is just like a whirlwind always. And like they're just never settled. Um, it's always like, you know, drama and it's always like, oh, no's what's going to be. Right. Um, you know, that's in my mind, like how I imagine the anxiously attached where it's sort of like they're just not comfortable in their own skin. They themselves are not enough and not trustworthy to rely on themselves. Right. And I wonder if it's like life circumstances then more than like the primary caregiver attachment that leads someone to those gender stereotypical roles. Right. Because like a man is told, like, be strong, don't cry, be like this. So then they're told, like, this is the way that I need to act towards the world. And mm -hmm. that's why they seem like more avoidant and attached. Right. But then the question is, like, as you become closer, what happens? Like you were saying before, like all of a sudden they become closer and now they're just like mushy and like, right, you know, exactly. warm and like you see a whole nother side. So it could just be that it only, it doesn't come out to the world. It will only come up in the intimacy of right. a relationship. I think sometimes, but I think that sometimes when someone is moving, when has like made that relationship and now it's changing their own attachment style, it does end up filtering through the other ways like think of someone who's like in love right they come to the office they're bringing everybody chocolate right. you know what i mean like it changes your whole personality and your relationships with everyone to an right. extent you're not going to be like mushy with every single person now that you right. meet on the street but like you do start smiling more and you are friendlier right. to the waiter it puts you in an elated mood right I think like that's that's like one of the things like it's so important for us to like recognize is like the attachment bonds when we are attached to somebody and there is that love and there is that security, our mood just like skyrockets. Yeah. We become so much, we feel so much better. We become healthier. And therefore like relationships are something we need and we need healthy relationships. If we don't have the healthy ones, it can actually do the opposite to our mood. It can bring us down. Yeah. And so therefore like just from these examples, like what we notice is that when somebody either is, let's say, getting engaged um, or when somebody is in a close friendship relationship like all of a sudden they have this like i would call it energy like this energy takes over where they just they feel like they can do anything um and therefore like if we have people in our lives who are like that always then we always feel amazing and 
this doesn't have to only be like you know a marriage or right. a romantic partner like this is something that can be in a friendship it can be with a parent it can be with a colleague like as long as like you have that relationship that fuels you it's sort of like it gives you that that energy around you to like right. to move and to do and to have like passion for life yeah and i think that's just really important of like of saying of why is it so important to move towards yourself being secure but also moving towards connecting to other secure people right yeah and and you know if you live a securely attached life is a sort of a, a just a better life um you know it's it's somebody who's gonna have better outcomes like they're gonna be more successful it's just the nature of it right. because anxious and avoidant are constantly well i mean it depends, it depends what we say about um avoidant because avoidance like because they, they're saying they don't need people um they might just be like so disconnected from themselves that they don't even know what they need and they might not be unhappy like they just might be like i don't care don't bother me like right, usually probably, usually i think like... i think with anxious like anxious attachment the person feels not well whereas like avoidant attachment those around them feel bothered right. by it so it's right. like one is internal one is those right but eventually it ends them. up affecting them if they want to get married but somehow they can't keep a relationship mm -hmm. or then they have children let's say and then they want to connect to this child but they don't even know how right but the thing is do they care yeah, I'm sure you, if when you're thinking probably the most extreme example, that's the kind of person that doesn't care about having a relationship with their wife or their children and just right. takes care of their own. But someone who who is not, let's say, on that spectrum of so extreme, right? Mm -hmm. If we're talking about everything as a spectrum and leads more to the avoidant attachment, they want, might want to connect to their wife and they might want to talk to the child. But somehow whenever they start leaning towards connection, the avoidant they takes find over themselves pulling and they, back. they pull back. They don't know why, but they can't actually lay with their child at night and read a story. They don't know why, but that makes them uncomfortable. So they don't. So right. they might not be like, oh, I'm so sad that I'm not connecting to my child so much because they not, might not realize that that's what's missing, but they might realize that something's uncomfortable in the relationship with their child. Mm -hmm. Right. And they might realize eventually if they want to just be closer, but they can't get closer. Exactly. Yeah. So I think like that's a good description. I mean, you know, if we take it from a female lens and not just a male lens, which we were speaking before, this right. might be predominantly male. Like I imagine like if there is a mother then who wants to feel closer to her child, but each time like it gets too close, like she might feel like, oh, no, you're taking over me. Right. Like you're completely like destroying me. And therefore, like they need to take a few steps back. Um, but then they have to like force themselves to say, like, no, this is not dangerous. Like right. this is OK to be close like this. This is not so, like too needy or too so much. It could be a constant like inner battle, a yeah. constant conflict that's happening. I think the word like needy is probably very like apropos um, in all these situations because yeah. like I think like the anxious attached person is feels very needy, but they are very needy. And acts very needy. And acts very needy. Whereas I think the avoidant is so petrified of neediness yeah. um, where they're like, I don't want to go any near, anywhere near that. Like me, myself, I cannot be needy and them, they cannot be needy of me. Um, and so like needy like really plays a part. Whereas like the secure person with their neediness, like they're okay with their neediness. They right. recognize I'm going to have needs. Right. Um, it's normal to have needs. And obviously, like, if, if it's too much for somebody, they'll say no. Like, they have the healthy boundaries. They trust it. Um, but they're not so scared of neediness. And how many times do I sit with people and, like, neediness? They're just – they're petrified of it. Right. Whether Nobody there's... wants to be needy. Nope. We keep coming back to that. Yeah. Nobody wants to be needy. And there's nothing wrong with being needy. We all have needs. Right. I think maybe because we've given neediness such a bad rep. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, oh, you're so needy or, mm -hmm. you know – be independent, be on your exactly. own, like be okay. Why do you shouldn't need anybody? But like attachment theory states the opposite. It's basically telling us that we're not okay unless we're in relationships right. and we need relationships. And a child is born with a bond towards their caretaker. Yeah. And so like, if you don't have relationships, you're not going to be okay. So neediness means that in some way you we need, need a relationship. And so we can't get rid of that. Right.
You know what I think is really interesting? You see a lot in like movies, TV shows, Disney, adult movies. You see attachment styles over and over again. Something that I think that shows you is that they romanticize the unhealthy attachments in a way. They'll take people with, let's say, two different attachments, right? Like let's give, for example, Frozen, right? Mm -hmm. So we have Elsa who clearly has avoidant attachment and Anna who clearly has anxious attachment. And then when these two sisters form the bond, connect and have love, that's when you have this um, kind of collaboration and connection. And it is true. You do have it when they come together and they move maybe towards secure and realize that they need each other. And Anna learns that she could depend on herself also. Mm-hmm. And Elsa learns that she could depend on other people. They do move towards secure. And that's what makes this nice kind of ending of the movie. Right. But I do think that the movie sometimes romanticize unhealthy attachments and connecting to unhealthy attachments. Um, I do think that, like, especially, like... In- I think there's more drama, right? A movie. Like, right. who would want to watch a secure movie? It's like, <laughs> I love you. You love me. This is great. Like, there's no, like, conflict. Like, there's no, like, point of, right. like, escalation. Like, it's That's a boring true. movie. A but like- in all movies, it's about somebody having... Either both of them having um, an unhealthy attachment or right. at least one having an unhealthy attachment. Right, exactly. Usually both because that's what makes it dramatic and that's what makes it fun. And you break up with me, now I break up with you. And back right. and forth and back and forth. And yeah. that's what makes it so interesting. And of course, that's what makes it good entertainment. Right. Um, but I do think that there's something that they kind of romanticize the avoidant attachment sometimes in movies. Yes. Where it's like, oh, and maybe again, that gender stereotypical man who's like so indifferent. Mm-hmm. It's like so romantic when he finally falls in love with the woman. And I'm always curious, like, but what happens afterwards? Right? right. So the whole movie, this guy's been been avoidant. Now, finally, he's in this relationship and they end the movie. Mm-hmm. What happens afterwards? How does that relationship actually look? Right. Did he magically come secure because he fell in love? Mm-hmm. And we said a relationship could really t- change your attachment. Or are they constantly going to be, if this was real life, constantly going to be having that like battle of somebody with, you know, avoidant right. attachment and being in a relationship with them and always pulling back? Right. Yeah, it's it's I mean, Disney and all the movies like definitely like they want to show us that when you are avoiding attachment, like that's the best, because what does that mean? I need nobody and I'm okay on my own. And that's like sort of America. I'm okay on my own. I'm independent. Like I don't need anybody. And it's like it's cool also to be chased. Right. Like it's cool as a woman to be chased where it's like I don't need you. And then like the guy chases you versus the opposite where it's like the guy is like I don't need you. And then the woman is chasing him like that becomes like you become more popular. Right. In that sense. Yeah. And that reminds me, why is it so romantic in movies when I feel like they try to romanticize when the guy finally breaks down and says, I actually need you. But if a woman did that, then it it doesn't look so cool. The woman, it's cooler when she's like, no, I don't need you. But if she breaks down and is crying, it's like, oh, I love you so much. She comes across as needy. Right. But if the man does it, it's so romantic. Exactly. It's almost (laughs) like because the stereotype is that they're never like that. Right. To become that way, it's like the ultimate attraction. And if a woman's doing it, it's just like, oh, look at that hysterical, anxious woman. Right, exactly. And so like here, like movies really do play out. You know, back to back to Elsa and Anna, like one of my favorite scenes is like, do you want to build a snowman? Right. Where she's just like knocking on the door Constantly and like she's asking. like, please, like, can you come? Like, why don't you come out ever? Like, right. you know, I miss you. And then and then Elsa responds, like, you know, I'm just not coming out. Like she's ignoring her. And it's like you see how desperate um she is to go play with her, and she's just like non-responsive. And that's like the clear the showing the difference between like the avoidant and the anxious. Right. Exactly. Where it's like one is like more dependent. Like um, Anna is a lot more dependent and saying like, I need you. I need you. I need you. Come play. Like, you know, obviously some of this is like child stuff also where it's like, you know, who's going to entertain me. Um, But, you know, from the attachment lens, um, then you have Elsa who's just like, don't bother me. Like, 
shut the door. I'm not available. Like also because, you know, she has her powers and she has to hide them. And that's like a separate piece of the movie. Um, but you definitely but that's kind see... of what she was told. Like, you're not you're not good. You need to be alone. Right. Because you're dangerous. So that's kind of what was the trauma that led her to being avoidant. Right. Exactly. Which is interesting because with avoidance, like that's exactly like here she learned she was dangerous. Whereas with avoidance, they generally learn that like other people are dangerous. Right. Like they're just too dangerous to rely on. Yeah. So I think there's a I think if you go into probably any movie, you can probably dissect the attachment style because you're right movies with secure people are boring so they usually have some sort of very interesting trauma and very interesting attachment style right. that makes the movie interesting i think like as we get older like one of the things we realize is that like we just want a calm life right. and so like what might be exciting to watch like an anxious like ambivalent like um anxious avoidant attachment when you're younger like as you get older you're just like i want a secure relationship right. like don't bother me like just leave it as it is like only secure people enter in because like we don't have time for the anxious or the avoidant pieces. Like right. you just, you just want it to feel good and that's it. Um, and so like, you know, maybe watching a movie is like somewhere we want to let like your mind go free. Um, but in like our own lives, like we want to have more stability. security and stability as we yeah. get older. And it's almost like it's boring. Stability is boring. Secure attachments are boring, but boring is good. Yeah. Okay, have fun somewhere good. else. Yeah, exactly. Like have your fun in the movies. Like, you know, watch right. other people who are anxiously <laughs> attached exactly. or struggling in that way. But like for yourself, like you don't want that. Yeah. So going back to the avoidant for a minute about like saying about romanticizing about the avoidant, I think it's because they seem secure. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's so confusing because like you're so attracted to them because they look so stable. And it's like, right. but really what's wrong is that they're so distant. They're not feeling. Right. Um, and really they might be numb or they might just be shut off or cut down and it's not really a healthy attachment. And so like what, while that might look like a certain sense of like stability, it's really just disconnection. Yeah. And that's something that really should be differentiated between the two. Yeah. It's like the image that I have of like guys in my mind now is sort of like stoic. Right. That's also what's coming to me when we're talking about that avoidant kind of like stiff neck and the collar mm -hmm. and the tie, you know? And it's like, I don't have any needs. But at the end of the day, like everyone has needs. Right. That's really what we're coming back to. Like, I mean, it goes to the whole topic of toxic masculinity. Oh, yes. Toxic masculinity. Right? It's saying that, you know, that's kind of like the avoidant guy who mm -hmm. has no, who has, you know, be strong, be quiet, don't cry. You know, that's what a, that's what a man is. But I've heard so many women say, like, I don't want a man to have needs. Like, don't need me for anything. Like, I just want my needs to be fulfilled. And, like, they want the men to just, like, be the givers or to just, like, have no feelings. Well, that will just continue perpetuating the cycle of, of the avoidant attachment, right? right? They won't feel safe to head to secure because they'll know that. Again, continuing the cycle, they know that their needs aren't wanted or don't have a place to be heard. Right. Yeah. And we all have to move towards secure attachment. Yeah. And ultimately, like the relationship is so much more fulfilled if you're both secure mm -hmm. and you'll get so much more out of it. But sometimes it could be scary to hear, you know, to, to be able to hear from your other partner's needs. And it's just like easier to not have to listen to that. Right. And we can see like attachment styles. It's like when I'm watching a movie, a lot of times, like I'm just like, oh, gosh, like you see this there and that there. And like, oh, that's a really good portrayal of that diagnosis. And right. so like sometimes I wonder if like psychologists like are writing are the script yeah, <laughs> of like exactly. taking any human condition and just like making it right. like, crazy. But, you know, sometimes I see things and they're so subtle that I'm like, that was so unhealthy. Is anyone else picking up on that? Right. Like they might have like the writer might have been like knew that that wasn't good. But I was like, no, 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 that was gaslighting. Did anyone else notice that? Right. And like, I don't think people are like, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't good. And I'm like, no, no, that was really bad, really bad. 
you know, bad mm-hmm. red flag. I think the, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think like the script writers, like they understand the nuance of what they're doing. Yeah. They understand the details and the actors and the actresses also, because like in order to portray it, you have to go into the nuance and like right. the small pieces like of the relationship. Um, and I think like they get it, but not necessarily like will the person who's watching it get it? Because I think it depends on like how much history you have with exactly. it, how aware you are of it. And so like, let's say us, like when we're watching a video or a movie, like we're going to get it. Like we're going to see it right away. Whereas somebody else might not be able to call that out um, unless they are learning more about it or keeping an eye out for it. Right. Which is like why so many people are scared to date because will I see the right thing or will I pick up on something? Will I pick up on red flags? Will I pick up on attachment styles? Like will I pick up on who they are um, if I'm not experienced? And so the answer to that is more education. Yeah. The more you know, the better chance you have of picking well. You know, I think this was like a really interesting discussion um, about the different attachment styles yeah. and like not just like the definitions, but like what we see in movies and, and how it plays, how out. It plays yeah. out and how it plays out in examples and how it plays out in the therapy room. And, you know, I think the nice thing about attachment style is that it's an intervention in itself. And the more you're in therapy, you can work through your attachment style to move towards a earned secure attachment. So even if you don't grow up with security in your attachment, you can get it and it can come at a later point. So I love that this theory is very hopeful right um that it's not just like sorry you're stuck like you can work on it you can do something about it and have a better a better future yeah amazing 